0: Hello everybody and welcome to the 8th episode of the Trojan Venture Podcast. I'm alongside my star partner Vivek. Vivek, how are you doing post-spring break?
1: I'm doing alright, bro. It's been a little tough getting back in the routine, but you know we're getting there. How about
0: yourself? Yeah, it's not exactly easy to say the least, uh, but we're we're getting through it, so and we're excited to bring on another guest today and so for today's guest we're excited to bring on a fellow trojan and recent usc alum dominic Badori davis dominic graduated from usc in 2019 with a narrative studies major during her time at usc dominic served as the chief copy editor for the daily trojan and held internships at eat networks and the consulate general of france los angeles after graduation dominic moved to new york to join business insider as a reporter After two and a half years of Business Insider, Dominic joined TechCrunch in May of 2022 as a senior reporter covering venture capital and startups. Dominic is going to tell us about her career so far, what she's loved at USC, and how she's taken her USC experience into the early parts of her career. So we're excited to have her on. Vivek, you ready?
1: Absolutely, man. Let's do it.
0: Hi, Dominic. Thanks for coming on the show. Vivek, let's get right into the first question.
1: So you were involved in the Daily Trojan as a student at USC, which is our like newspaper. Uh, when did you first discover your passion for writing and reporting?
2: Oh gosh. Oh my goodness, the Daily Trojan. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I I got onto the Daily Trojan staff writing because like I was actually rejected from the Daily Trojan. Um, and I was able to go on because I they were they're during, I applied to work there during the summer, because I know they're always understaffed during the summer, and um, they put me on as one of their summer writers, and then they kind of never got rid of me, like I just kind of rolled over. So that's kind of how I entered the Daily Trojan. Um, I would say that I really got into journalism my senior year. Um, because that was the year we had, like, we had just come off of one of the scandals with the doctors, one of the doctors, and then we went straight into the college admissions crisis, Um, and they needed somebody. I used to do, like, copy editing for the paper, um, and I would just, I would keep doing it because I thought it was kind of fun. Um, Also, they paid money, and so it was a good, you know, side hustle, but I guess I did so much copy editing that, when it came time to get a chief copy editor, there was like no one else with enough experience. And so I like, I remember I was drinking margaritas with my mom and I got a phone call and they were like, we need a copy editor. Cause we, we have to start you know production in two weeks. And I was like, oh, that's so sad. Cause I don't want to do the job. And so I think like they had to call me back and they were like, no, seriously, like we need someone to edit this paper. And so I was like, okay, all right, I guess. Um, And so I kind of was the chief copy editor during um, the college admissions crisis or scandal. And that was kind of my first um, experience in a newsroom um, in terms of how chaotic and crazy it got. Like I wasn't leaving that office till like 11 PM at night of just reading stuff. And I also got, um, I pitched a black owned business column and going around um, South Central talking to all the black owned businesses out there And then we also had like another massive protest because USC, of course, is a massive gentrifier. And so there were people in the community that were protesting. And it was just so chaotic that I was like, I would love to do this for the rest of my life. Um, And so, yeah, that's what happened.
0: And so speaking more about your, I guess, columns in general, but at, at USC as part of the Daily Trojan, you started your own lifestyle column called Black Cat. What were some things you learned about kind of building your own personal brand? Um,
2: I learned, I don't know, let me think about this. That's a good question. Um, What did I learn about my own brand? Um, I learned, um, I don't know. I mean, having a nice catchy name, um, also being, knowing how to service, I guess, the reader that I had in mind, which was maybe like the USC audience that might not know a lot about the black businesses in South Central, but then also black people on campus who might be looking for more resources that can serve them. Um, And then kind of being consistent with the types of businesses I covered and the types of voices I wanted to cover. Um, And then also um, promoting my work. so that people knew and um, understood like, hey, this is like another column that I've done. Um, And yeah, just kind of the importance of consistency and um, making sure you connect with uh, your audiences.
1: Yeah, so you spoke a little bit about consistency um, and the Black Cat was advertised as a Thursday lifestyle column. And so was there like any reason behind posting on Thursdays like every, every week or... Was that? Was, what was the reason behind that?
2: I actually don't know. I think that was the decision of um, Alan at the time, who was the editor-in-chief. Um, and I, I'm i trying to figure out, was it me who said bi-weekly or them? They might have said um, the editorial team might have decided on making it bi-weekly. Um, because I think I want it weekly, but I also wasn't upset that it was bi-weekly, because it was like a lot of work. Uh, like a lot of the times when I was writing, a lot of the times for my column, I was writing it that morning, (laughs) because we had like a deadline of 2pm. And so a lot of the times it was just me literally writing the piece that day, it being edited, and then going through all the production stuff. Um, And so maybe maybe doing copy editing, and the column every week would have been a lot because I also had an internship at the time, it would have been it would have been a lot. So I wasn't upset.
0: And so, a lot of your earlier work, per se, focused on lifestyle and entertainment reporting. And then you started to make a shift towards business reporting. And so, what was the motivation to kind of make that switch and focus more on the business side of reporting?
2: Uh, well, I actually, it's because I wanted to do a lot, li- I wanted like a pure lifestyle column based off of, and in- based in LA, where I went around reviewing like, food places and cultural institutions, but we already had a columnist that did that. And so they were like, what makes you different from her? And so I was like, "Uh, I could do black businesses. And they were like, okay. And so that's kind of what led me on um, black entrepreneurship.
1: Awesome, yeah. And like, could you tell us a little bit about like some of your favorite stories from working at Business Insider?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. My time at Business Insider. Um, there were some r- really fun ones because I I covered like the young luxury beat for a while, where it was just speaking to, um, young people that had luxury businesses. Um, and I don't know. I guess I interviewed so many cool people. Oh my gosh, there was one guy who was trying to build an applesauce empire. Uh, which and he he'd wanted to build an applesauce empire since he was since he was 15 years old. And he's like really dedicated to this day. He's like 28 now, maybe. Um, And he's building his applesauce empire. And I find that to be, I thought it was like so random, but also so amazing because it's like, you never hear about a competitor to Mott's. And so I'm like, here, this kid is, you know, since 15 years old, maybe like over a decade now. And he is set on taking on the world of applesauce. I thought that was pretty cool.
0: And going off of that, obviously that's, First of all, I want to read more about that because that seems super interesting. As a reporter, what are some things that you do to try to make sure that you're best telling the story of the entrepreneur, the company um, that you're looking at? What like what are some strategies that you that you implement into your storytelling style?
2: Well, for business, it's really interesting because business is a lot of um, it's very there's, you know, the finance side of it, but then there's also just the pure entrepreneurship side of it of like, I'm starting a business. Um, What I do is I try to read a lot of sociology books to kind of get the context around a lot of communities um, so that I can frame their stories and their businesses and kind of the larger societal role that it could play. Um, And that's, I mean, That's easiest seen with um, even like a story I'm working on now in terms of um, um, neo banks and black owned neo banks and stuff like that. Um, You know that could just be a story about black fintech companies that exist, or you can also look at the history of um, you know economic redlining and the history of banking in this country, and then frame you know this founder launching a a neo bank with the larger role that banks um, and the black community you know, the relationship that they had in the past century. And then I think it kind of, um, at least like when you're talking to venture capital audiences and tech audiences, where a lot of it is just focused on the future, it helps to kind of look at the past a little bit when it comes to, um, you know, why something is important.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And you spent a lot of time at Business Insider, but now you're at TechCrunch, correct? Yes. Yes. So like, yeah, what sort of attracted you to TechCrunch? Like, what made you make that switch?
2: Um, TechCrunch came and poached me uh, from BI. And I was I was really nervous, actually, to start. Um, I didn't think that they were actually going to hire me. So I was like, really scared. I was like, oh, my gosh, maybe I'm not good enough, but I'll do the interviews anyway. <laughs> and then when they um, hired me, I was really... I was really excited because venture capital had interest really interested me in the past year. Um, and so I was really, really excited to dive deep into that world and also kind of um, always be updated on new innovations and new technology, like AI, I think is super cool. Um, and so just always being able to be on the front lines of following everything. And I don't know, I thought it was cool. It was a cool opportunity.
0: And you mentioned before that when you're doing business reporting, I guess there's a couple of different audiences that you're you're speaking to. You're speaking to, I guess, a much more educated audience on maybe the finance side that are looking at the financials of a company and then the entrepreneurship and the, like the people telling side. What what do you what do you think are kind of the the biggest challenges um, in business reporting that people may not know about?
2: Um, oh my gosh. Well, when you're covering straight entrepreneurship, the biggest problem is people are liars. Um, and you never, you never know who's lying to you until they either get arrested for fraud or like something comes out and it's actually like, oh my gosh, this entrepreneur that I just wrote a glowing profile with actually just completely was a scammer and lied. Um, that's happened a few times, not to me specifically, but, um, I've had to go, like one story, there was one founder who had gotten all these glowing write-ups in all these business publications. And then la- late last year, um, I went and did an investigation and it turns out that she was being, she was like an alleged scammer. And it was like, how would these, pe- how would these reporters have known that? Because, you know, even the, the finances were there, the documents were there. And it's like, everything was there, but um, I don't know, sometimes it, it's always hard to know who's, who's really authentic and who isn't.
1: Are there any strategies that you use to kind of like deduce whether someone is telling a truthful story or not?
2: See, this is like the hard part because it has, to, it, usually it comes from your gut. Like there's some people that, I'm, that I talk to for stories and I get, a, I get bad vibes and I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I can take the story. I um, mean, it's not like for any particular reason, it's just like got bad vibes. But it's really—I mean—that's how it is sometimes. Um, or you look at—you um, always follow the money. You look at the numbers. You and you know you kind of just analyze and um, really just look for look for the things that look that don't make sense. Um, and you well, most often than not you'll find it. Like because I work with a lot of data now, and even sometimes some data reports I get. I'm like, this is like, it looks right. It looks um, good. But then you really start analyzing the data and you're like, this is an incomplete data set. I can't write a story about this. Um, So it's kind of just really, really paying attention.
0: So what are some patterns or current trends in the entrepreneurship and technology field that are most exciting to you and maybe you think aren't getting talked about enough? Hmm,
2: let me think. Um, Trends in entrepreneurship. Um, I'm trying to think about things that I can also prove. (laughs) I feel like a lot of minorities are are starting businesses. um, And I think that's really exciting. And a lot of people are talking about the funding disparities between women and diverse founders. And so that's really cool. Um, I'm really interested to see, I think people are calling this like the fourth industrial revolution Um, And so I'm really interested to see how, you know, technology like AI, uh, because now every company is like, oh, yeah, we're powered by AI. And I'm like, everybody says that. Um, But I'm really interested to see what sticks and kind of what's actually going to change. I'm also really, really excited about all the new climate tech that is out there. Um, I think, um, what's it called? The report came out today that said Earth probably won't hit that 1.5 billion or 1.5 degrees Celsius cooling thing. We're not going to hit the target in 2023. Um, And so, or I think that's what it said. You might want to look back, check that. But um, so I'm really, it's really interesting to see all these new climate tech companies pop up from all over the world to try to um, build a better future really, and make, make things a little bit better. Um And there are problems that I've never even thought about. Like I know someone in, I think he's in Sweden, who was building, who's like, he, he invests in climate tech that helps with salmon over there. Or someone down here who's, you know, there's like regenerative farming with cotton and all this stuff. Like it's, there's so much happening. And so that that is also pretty exciting.
1: So while you were at USC also, you had a minor in cinematic arts. Um, like, how do you think your passion for film has impacted your storytelling style?
2: Um, I think like, yeah, I have like <laughs> a humanities, a pure humanities background. Um, I love film and I think it really helped me um, with understanding this. Cause I didn't go to journalism. I didn't go to the Annenberg. So I kind of, the way I know how to tell stories is kind of looking at it through I guess, the cinematic way of, you know, setting the scenes, getting all the details right, which storytelling, it all kind of blends together, but obviously there's different ways to do it. Um, And so I I would think that, I don't know, a lot of my stories, you read it and it's, I don't know, a lot of details, a lot of um, how did that make you feel or something like, Um, but yeah, I would would definitely, yeah, something like that.
0: So this next question might be, A little bit harder for you, but what would be one piece of advice you would give uh, yourself as a senior in college if you had to kind of go back in the past knowing what you know now?
2: Oh, Lord. Um, Advice. Oh, my goodness. I would probably, I probably would have. Oh, my goodness. Somebody told me that apparently anybody can be in the Annenberg Media Center. And I thought that that was only for Annenberg kids. So I never applied to. Work in that newsroom. I also didn't, I also never applied to be a proper editor at the Daily Trojan. And I remember, I think it was at the last, one of the last dinners we had, the editor in chief was like, Why didn't you ever apply to be the lifestyle editor or something? And I was like, I genuinely didn't know. Like, I didn't think I would get it. I didn't really know. And so I would probably tell (laughs) senior me to just, I don't know, apply, do it, ask, keep going Uh, because I'm looking back, I'm like, there's so many things that I could have done, but I was nervous. Like, even the internship that I got at E! News, I, I, like, I wasn't even going to go to the NBC mixer that they had for the cinema kids, because I was nervous. I was like, what if nobody shows up and I'm the only one? And my mom was like, are you kidding me? Like, it's NBC. Like, you need to go and get up and go. Uh, So, I would probably tell myself to I don't know, do more things, focus more, because I I totally regret it. I'm like, I should have totally been in the Annenberg Media Center. I should have applied for that editor role at the Daily Trojan. I should have done those things. I didn't do it. But so I would tell myself to go do it.
1: So your career has been mostly focused on reporting. uh, But would you ever want to enter into like the entrepreneurship side? Or do you think you want to stay on the reporting side of things?
2: Oh, I think about this often, where I'm just like, Oh, I have a lot of ideas for a business, but then I would have to like start the business. I think I'm way too nosy to not be a reporter. Um, I feel like I have to like <laughs> I would have to find an unless it's a media company. I guess I could do that or something. But I also don't know. I'm really far off from that. Um, I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind doing something within the entrepreneurship realm. I don't know if that's starting my own business though, or maybe um I don't know I don't know maybe look at myself I don't know I don't know I have to see I have to see
0: what would you say at least personally are are kind of the areas of digital media that you think are most exciting is that you know short short film is that you know kind of it could be documentaries it could be still article reporting what kind of type of things kind of most interest you and excite you
2: I wish I knew how to make a TikTok. Like, I wish I could be one of those TikTok reporters who, like, put, like, they're like a talking head and their articles in the background. I have no idea how you do that. I have no idea how you use TikTok. But I think it is such a cool way to connect with people. Um, I know that TechCrunch has a TikTok account, and we have someone um, who, who does that for all of our stories. Uh, She was like, do you want to do one for your story? And I'm like, I don't know how. Um, But that's really exciting. I also love a a lot of the ways, um, like the New York Times has been really, really interactive, like doing some of their articles have been really interactive. And I remember when Tom Brady retired for the second time, um, the way that they did that article where they showed the original article and then it was really interactive in how they showed all the changes that they made and you can kind of follow the editing process. I thought that was really really innovative and really cool and I would love to see more um, I don't know interactive and just playfulness come out of journalism.
1: So like what would be some of like the coolest startups slash entrepreneurs you've gotten to cover at TechCrunch?
2: Um, at TechCrunch so far, let me think because i I write trend stories at um, TechCrunch, and so it's more so, I guess group grouping founders and investors uh, thematically. Um, I wrote a lot <laughs> I write a lot of um think pieces about funding disparities. Um, actually no, okay, I, I have one. I have one. Um, I love the I love the way that web three is interacting with fashion. And I guess I was going to look into art next, but more, more so fashion right now in terms of there's a lot of things in Web3 and crypto that are just like that don't make sense and are just like a lot of like whatever. But I genuinely do think that fashion has a case for the blockchain. And when I've been talking to a lot of founders, um, they've been using the blockchain for like Web3 marketplaces, um, using the metaverse to kind of build um, these I don't know, I guess, alternative reality shopping experiences where you don't have to leave your house to go to Paris. You could just put on, you know, I guess I said, or go on your computer and walk through the the malls and stuff and, you know, talk to a virtual shop person and order something and have it come to your house. Um, Or even just the idea of Web3 and the blockchain and how that can make fashion more sustainable um, has also been uh, a topic for discussion because... If you think about you know you buying online uh or like within those virtual marketplaces uh assuming that the blockchain is minted to a a more sustainable i don't know blockchain um i mean you kind of cut down on travel costs in a sense um there there's like so many other ways you can track um the life cycle of an item you can see where it ends up does it end up in a landfill or does it end up you know at a thrift shop um and you can kind of, I don't know, it's, it starts the an era of new transparency, I would say, for fashion, especially because they are like the second most polluting industry in the world. And definitely, probably part of the reason we're not hitting um, that climate target in 2023. So it's really, really cool to see um, people play with this new technology Um, to do something cool and innovative and luxury fashion brands seem to be playing with it too and luxury fashion they're notoriously um they notoriously don't like doing new stuff so to see like the balenciagas and the the gucci's of the world kind of say oh yeah let's you know play with web3 and nfts it's it's kind of interesting
0: so we'll finish off with just one final question for It could be any fellow USC students that would be listening to this or just kind of anyone that maybe follows you. There may be kind of a misperception that you, to be kind of in the role you are in, to be a business reporter, that you have to know everything in kind of the business world. How how, do you think that's true, that you need a huge business background to do what you do? Or is it a multitude of things?
2: Well, I mean no, I mean, I didn't have a business background at all. I mean, really, you're just thrown into this and then either you, you sink or you swim. I mean, like it's, it's one of those things. Even I remember when I went home one summer to work for my local paper, cause I didn't, again, I didn't apply for any of those big internships. I was not getting any of those big internships. So like I would go home for the summer where there's like two people on my local paper and I would just I remember like one time he sat, like the, the editor-in-chief of our the paper, he, he like sat me down and he's like, what do you know about journalism? And I said, nothing. And then he got a piece of paper and he was like, all right, I'm gonna teach you journalism. He's like, this is a lead, this is that. And then like we got into, into his car and we were like, we're gonna look for stories. And that's really how it goes. Um, you learn on the go and you, cause even now um, when I got hired to do venture capital, I didn't know everything about venture capital, um, but, luckily, you know, my favorite part about journalism is you're kind of always a student. You can all, any questions you have, you can ask anybody. Um, There's a bunch of books to read. And so even now, like I'm reading a lot of books. I'm talking to a lot of people and you kind of do it at the same time. Like Business Insider, like when I got there, I was like, the markets go up and they go down. Like, that's what I know about the markets. And the more you just consume, um, consume all this media, uh, you kind of get the hang of it. Like, I didn't think I knew anything about banks until SVB collapsed. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, I think I know what's going on. But if you asked me this, like when I first started at Business Insider, what happens when a bank like this collapses? I would not have known. I'd be like, I have no idea. It's just, it's, it's gone now and doesn't have a buyer. So like, I don't know, you, you learn on the go. and Cause anything that you need to know, there people are going to teach you. And anything that you want to know on your own, there's a book. Or that you can read there's you know so much information out that you can find
0: well thank you for that i hope that's encouraging to uh, anybody that would want to be in your position of course and so thank you again for taking the time it was, it was great to hear your story
2: yes thank you for having me
1: all right well that was a very interesting episode what do you think eric
0: yeah super interesting to hear from a fellow trojan one that didn't graduate all too long ago so can definitely remember being in our shoes and i just loved her enthusiasm Uh, i think it was really refreshing to hear she was she was very much in the spirit of she's just trying to learn everything um and trying to be a sponge and i think that's such a great example for people when they're starting their careers is to try to just learn as much as you can and try to get as many different experiences as you can
1: yeah, I kind of liked how she was talking about like just throwing yourself into the, you know, into everything. And she kind of did that herself with her career. So I kind of respect that. And like, yeah, I mean, it was really interesting to hear about the reporting side because, like we don't get that that perspective often. So, yeah,
0: didn't you think it was also interesting to hear? I thought it was the part part about a fraud that she was talking about and kind of a journalist's role and how to detect it and how, you often have to use your gut. That was a part of the interview that I was not expecting to happen, but it was also just a really unique insight. So I'm glad we got to hear from her and hear her story.
1: Yeah, it was awesome, man.
0: All right. Thanks guys. And until next week, we'll, uh, we'll see you again.